Hello! I'm really excited. <laughs> I feel like I'm on um, a football show today because I'm like, ah, let's do this. <laughs> and <laughs> I have to admit that football, I have a love of football. I don't have a, I, I don't generally love football, but I have to just mention it today. I'm really, really excited today because we have an amazing inspirational woman of color a superwoman who has dawned our presence we've got abigail ajay have i said that right have i done it yes and i'm really what i'm really excited about <laughs> yeah, is got it. yeah. <laughs> so i'm really excited because of her journey what she's going to share with us i'm going to get some new insight into all the things that she's been up to this is a real good treat for you before i introduce her though let me remind you that the superwoman can podcast has been created for women of color successful women of color to show up in their true capes and superhero outfits and show that they can because who are we we're superwomen and we can we can pass anything that society says we cannot do we so can do it and we're going to do it and abigail oh she's going to tell us how she has achieved her level of success and continues to shine despite what society has shown up and said so get ready for episode 11 abigail introduce yourself Hi. Thanks so much for having me, Samantha. And yeah, I'm really, really excited to be on the podcast because I think, yeah, what you're doing is amazing and so important to really like push the narrative and importance of, yeah, all the amazing things women of colour are doing. So a little bit about me. My name is Abigail, as you said. Um, a senior policy advisor, so currently working in health and I work in early years health. So I'm focused on um, kind of the area of early years workforce, looking at how we can make sure they're diverse and they have the support and training they need to make sure they're all families with their needs and supporting them. I'm also incredibly passionate about intersectional identi identities. So I'm a diversity and inclusion champion and a neurodiversity advocate. So I have ADHD and dyspraxia myself and I'm really passionate about the community for all people to learn about neurodiversity and that particular focus on black women because black women are often misdiagnosed and underdiagnosed for an array, array of reasons so I'm kind of really passionate about removing the stigma of ADHD in a neurodiversity black community and yeah empower people to kind of work with their brains and not against them so yeah that's a just a little bit about me <laughs> I love it well I love it because you've got extra superpowers one as you probably know Abigail I am dyslexic I've got ADHD and other spectrums they, they they couldn't even decide between me my brain just wanted to do everything like it's like have a bit of each pie go for it <laughs> and also being you know the intersectionalities of having a neurodiversity it, it comes with its own baggage so I'd love I, I can't wait for you to showcase that we can it doesn't matter it's like we mm -hmm. definitely can achieve so much greatness I cannot wait for you to go into more detail so tell me first of all I know you said that you show up and you are champion women of color you're already an amazing advocate of or in this space but tell me how you got there why you got there tell me more tell me everything tell me everything like spill the beans <laughs> yeah so it's been um an interesting journey I always say when kind of people ask it's like 
there was never really a particular plan. I think, I guess the common thread through everything I've done, like I'm, as I was saying, I'm a civil servant and I've worked um, in a variety of different areas. And I think that, yeah, that common thread is always just wanting to advocate for marginalized communities. And I think especially, yeah, for people who often feel like they're not seen and heard by our government. So I think that's kind of just how, when I left uni, I kind of fell into things. I initially worked as an asylum caseworker. So I was working with, um, immigrants and people who are claiming asylum making sure their kind of cases were put together to present to the home office and I've also worked with um Grenfell victims and survivors and worked with um most recently before the current role I'm in ethnic minority communities um with COVID so kind of making sure that we were looking into how they were feeling about how um what was kind of happening with COVID and like vaccine hesitancy and looking at things like that and also I've worked with the Windrush um Com- wow. com- look, working on the Windrush commemoration, kind of looking at um, supporting the Windrush generation and all their contributions to this country. So I think there's never been like a real kind of, I guess, plan. There's always just been that interest in making sure I'm really getting to advocate for marginalised communities, people who feel underrepresented and really amplifying their voices. So in terms of, yeah, how's that kind of happened? I guess just yeah, working <laughs> in the civil service, I've always kind of had that experience engaging with communities. So I've really kind of got to harness that. Um, I think in terms of, yeah, just always branding myself, I think in that way and being just really advocate and being really passionate about doing that work has kind of helped me um, navigate my career in that sense. I think that's something I've always kind of worked to do. I think is really important to do. I think the civil service is starting to improve, but there's definitely a lot that can be done to make sure it is like as diverse and reflective at all grades and levels as the kind of community that we live in, because we serve a diverse community. So we need to make sure that at all levels, not just at junior levels, that is being reflected at the top. So I think that's kind of just, yeah, been always been me wanting to advocate, wanting to amplify those voices and wanting to speak up from my personal experience as well. And that's kind of helped me navigate like my career and passions. Amazing. So I know that you've said you started off and said and you said I'm, I've got neurodiversities, but you've championed. One thing you didn't mention is that you are an alumni like myself on the first ever LinkedIn yeah. UK Accelerator program. So your brand and your visibility on the platform is second to none. You literally are blowing up on on LinkedIn. Got to check her out, by the way. We'll put some. We'll put oh, some down there. You. Yes, I'll send that. <laughs> Now, what battles have you faced getting to where you've got to and been able to be this advocate that you are, really amazing star that you are? Thanks. So yeah, there's definitely been like battles. I'm, I think the imposter syndrome has definitely often been there and still sometimes is trying to fight its way to push through. Because like you said, when you when you do have those intersectional identities as a black woman, as a woman with neurodiversities and only discovering my own like neurodiversities really in the last few years, it can definitely kind of be that battle of understanding of trying to work out where you fit in, where you, what you kind of bring to organisations and places. There's off, off, obviously kind of a lot of parts you have to think of and a lot of these, you know, qualities that I think are amazing and make me part of what I am can often, you know, feel, can feel in challenging in, in yeah. places where there's people that have not looked like you. So there's definitely been those kind of battles to be, I feel like seen to be heard to, to navigate definitely feeling like I think um black women and women of color often feel, experience feeling like you have to kind of work twice as hard for your yeah. work to really be credited and seen and valued so that's definitely been kind of a lot of the challenges and really tr- having to look within and remind myself of what I bring to like kind of organization the places I've been in I think that's often been that challenge sometimes feeling a bit lost and feeling frustrated so I think 
yeah that's definitely been some of those challenges really trying to navigate where I fit into into places and how I can like make it my own and like my lived experiences and talents into different places so when you when did you mention that you were diagnosed only a few years ago so was there any kind of like signs because I know for myself it was it was a really late diagnosis I had questions when I was a kid saying things like Samantha is so you can tell she's very articulate and and great at what she does but um she is she she seems to always easily be distracted or you know it would be like the same like literally even when I went to into the workplace I used to get a red pen going Samfra is clearly talented but she's very easily distracted or she's not very articulate in the written word but very articulate in the spoken word no one got it for mm-hmm. years it was really clear on paper that there was something there that needed to look into what's your story how did you you know how did it yeah. all come about yeah and this is why it's something I'm like really passionate about especially and I um I did a TEDx last year in terms of kind of making oh. sure we're really paying attention to like I know yeah, I'll send the links all that as well yeah, so like that's all the big stuff <laughs> and I forgot to put that in my intro as well but um that's why I'm like, really passionate when it comes to this especially with like black women because I think often yeah there's an array of reasons why it feels like things can get missed and I think a lot of the time like some of the things you um picked out I think a lot of these things are kind of often seen as like more personality traits or characteristic feels as opposed to there needing to be more to look to support people. So I feel like, yeah, when I definitely look back, um, I say a line in my TEDx where, um, what did I say exactly? Kind of, I feel like there was a lifetime of um, kind of mean and well, but like always kind of missing, like not having my full, te- full potential. And I think that's what it was. It was that I would work hard and I feel like I was often really trying really hard to push myself and things I but I would always feel like sometimes I was just missing the post, like just being pipped to the post by thin. So I feel like definitely um, losing things. I think I could be scatty in that way. It would, I could literally spend hours trying to kind of take in information and just still not necessarily do as well as in exams. I think there was definitely elements of kind of overcompensating and trying to overcompensate in some places because of the struggles I had in um, other ways um being a hoarder so definitely being like that's still something I'm trying to get better at but I guess I was I think yeah there was like loads of these signs that I think in terms of in my reports about yeah kind of really good in some areas I think a lot of the kind of creative things in terms of if I was really I think that and it goes back to kind of that dopamine fix if, if I was really I guess passionate about something I think I would really shine so I think being young when I was younger in history in school I could do well if it was stuff like learning about civil rights because I kind of really could find that passion or there was parts in English language I would do well because I found the poetry really interesting just like really being able to harness and doing really well in some of that stuff and then other stuff which was kind of science which my brain wouldn't do well and just not do it really doing well there being such that disparity and I think often yeah there is not a real kind of looking at how kind of girls may kind of operate differently and how the diet there is still that I think gender bias with a lot of how which is getting better how neurodiversity is looked at and because a lot of the research was done on kind of white cisgendered young boys it's not kind of sometimes looked at how symptoms kind of manifest differently in girls so yeah I think I do look back and think god yeah there was just so many things I think for a lot of people when you do officially get that diagnosis you do kind of feel like validated and liberated, but then there is that kind of anger, isn't there, of, well, why did things take so long? Like, why didn't kind of someone see me in that way? 
Oh my days, you just literally like just had a mirror. You were like, you're mirroring me in so many different ways. Like he was just talking about losing stuff. I was like, oh my days, that is just so me. Like if you, my keys, my house keys, you couldn't give me a single key, like an actual single key, because trust me, that will go missing. I actually mm-hmm. have a bunch of keys, like they're so heavy because there's no way, that, and they've got like a big bright little like um, key rings on it because there's just no way that I can't lose them. Like I'll hear them, yeah. if they're I'll see them if they're around, there's no, kids, one minute and then another minute yeah it's just yeah, gone <laughs> even I have an iron I kept forgetting to turn it off it was like the bane of my husband's existence with me he was like turn the iron off woman <laughs> and I was just like you know you're so dangerous and I was like I can't remember to turn it off like it's just not there's no switch to tell me to turn yeah. it off it's like there must be like a neurodiverse iron to buy and I found one which is amazing there's an iron you can buy by the oh, way oh good you might have yeah, to yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it's like I it, try to avoid iron as much as possible yeah, I hate iron, like but... ones, yeah I don't like ironing either but there was like it was like a century one so it had like bright blue lights it ox to tell you it was on but also if you left it for a couple of minutes it starts going beep 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 so I could oh, be done that yeah beep. I need that for oh, my day, that was amazing <laughs> that changed my life it changed my husband's life it saved um it saved my marriage so I understand that and then, you know, creative, like you said, I did so well in that. I did so well in all those things. I just couldn't do maths and all the other stuff. And then you mentioned something else, which was like yeah. hoarding. hoarding. And um, yeah, again, my husband was like, you're a hoarder. And I'm like, I'm not a soul, not a hoarder. And I did a Komari. I had a Komari consultant come to my house. <laughs> and what the Komari method is, oh. you have to take everything into your living room and pile it all up and I tell you I've got a really big living room it's 20 by 24 it's huge (laughs) and my clothes you can only bring your own clothes just your clothes not your kids not your husband's just your clothes and you can put a little section so there can be a bag section a um, bag section a shoe section Mm. a clothes section and uh, uh what else was it I think it was just different sections but I kid you not the pile reached the ceiling reach the ceiling oh my god and I was, yeah. I was, oh, I I imagine, was yeah. like eight maybe nine years things that fit me like you know maybe I had baggy clothes but I had there was so many years old and I was like I finally admitted that I was hoarding and so I had that was my break and you just you try justifying the moment isn't it why I might need it it's like this fear of letting I'm not sure what it is but it's like you haven't worn it for years but, it's like, oh, that, but I think you know I might bring it back now like yeah yeah I definitely need to go through that you should definitely do it. You should do it. Definitely. So tell me then what strategies did you put in place? Because to me, I've had to learn a lot of self coping strategies and I'm sure you've learned them as well. What, what were there? Because there might be people like feeling like, wow, this rings a bell to me. Is there anything I can do now? Why I go and wait for a diagnosis? What can I do? What strategies did you put in place? Um, variety of things. I think I um definitely utilize things like kind of my calendar, my to try and to do. I have to write like everything down, but then I'm really trying to try to separate that kind of what I need to do and what like so kind of writing it all down. I think brain dumps are so important because there's always so much going on in our like neurodiverse heads. So I like to kind of put everything on the the um like page and then kind of really assess and look at like what I need to do, like what is the top priorities, and like try and like put those down as much as possible because I think sometimes yeah we're trying to do too much and like really assess the day and what can be done and what's most important and what kind of benefit that day so I'm trying I try and do that 
um timers I try and utilize that much because as much as possible because I think sometimes you know concept of time we can get especially if we're really passionate about something I can hyper focus and just get lost in things so try and do that utilize my calendar put everything as on calendars because if it's not on that calendar I'm going to forget to do it um boards always good good for me as well I've got a big whiteboard as well kind of in my living room I kind of jot things down on to see so yeah I think things like that those kind of like have been really helpful for me I think I try and move around sometimes in terms of change of spaces as well I think to help that kind of boredom and procrastination as well so yeah there are some of like initial things that come to mind that like help me Oh, I resonate with everything you said there. They're, they're really great strategies and really great tips. So if you, how, so if there's going to be someone, there's going to be people that are actually listening and going, oh my days, like literally she's, this is me. This is me. How do you like, how did you go and find a diagnosis? What did you do? Because that's one of the questions I get asked a lot. What yeah. did you do to get a diagnosis? And it is such a maze. And one of the things that I just feel like needs to kind of, be improved in terms of the system because for me so um I guess just to kind of I guess give the backdrop of my current understanding of how the UK diagnosis is I think there's kind of I'd always say the first point of contact is go to your GP but make sure you're armed because I think especially for black women I think we have I think a lot of kind of problems with the healthcare system and really understanding our needs and I think we really have to advocate for ourselves unfortunately so I, I would say that write down everything that you think that you kind of experience and why you think it's ADHD. So you're kind of going in prepared because sometimes you have to deal with a GP kind of dismissing or trying to say other things. Obviously they're, they're GPs and they have the knowledge, but they're still, it's the psychiatrist who, when I get to explain kind of that diagnosis process, who has like kind of the real expertise in that area. But sometimes, so yeah, I'd say kind of write down everything and how you think it's affected you in your childhood and kind of adulthood. So kind of be prepared to go for that conversation. There's also online tests that kind of, I guess, there's like basic tests you can do. And if you do really feel like that aligns with you, you can explain to your GP as well that you've done that test. So I'd say go to um, your GP first. And my understanding with the um, ADHD system at the moment that there is always like the first point of contact going to your GP. And then you can go through either the NHS system, which unfortunately there's been long waiting lists. It can range from speaking to a range of people. It can take about two years. So some people saying it's taken them even like kind of longer. So that's kind of one process. Then if you suspect, suspect or think it's gonna to take too long, which I did, there is something called right to choose. So it's still through kind of the NHS, but there's a specific um, health care provider. They're called Psychiatry UK. So they, and I'll make sure to send all these links to yes, you, Samantha. So, they, so through them, you can basically make a case. You can, they've got a letter template on their website. I think the waiting list is about six months it's, it's months ish at the moment. I think mine just took under a year, but you can basically kind of send this letter to your GP, for your GP to send over to them, basically to say that I think kind of the NHS waiting list is going to take a long time. I want to go through this with this specific provider for, um, for me to kind of go through the ADHD diagnosis process and then they can put you through there and then they can kind of, they'll be the sole provider kind of dealing with everything. So they will do your diagnosis. And then if you, um, get your official diagnosis they can do um, further things like looking at medication or what other support and strategies can be put in place so I'm with them and the third option would be private but obviously not everyone has the luxury to do that and I think it can range by about 400 pounds or so they're the kind of three processes in the UK but it can be yeah, really hard to navigate and I'll definitely send the link 
Um, ADHD UK, I think, has got kind of a really good page of just navigating those three different ways. So they're the three different ways. And in my case, yeah, I went through that Psychiatry UK, like I said. Before then, because um, I suspected I had ADHD for a while, around 2017, 2018 time, I read an article and I related to that. Before that, I was very ignorant to the fact that, like, I'm sure many of us, that adults had ADHD, that it was something that wasn't just, you know, associated with the boys. And then I read um, an amazing mental health advocate, Penny Bell. She talked about finding out she had ADHD at 30. And then just, yeah, reading everything she said about kind of her mind feeling on constant overload and feeling physically and mentally worn out and kind of feeling disorganized. I was like, wow, so this is ADHD. So kind of, yeah, I read that and then kind of didn't do anything with it until about 2020. And I think this is what tends to happen, I think, to a lot of women, a lot of women of color, I think ADHD where things kind of just become so unmanageable you feel like you need that extra help so I feel like it was 2020 the height of the pandemic obviously everything that was happening kind of the resurgence of Black Lives Matter and stuff I think especially with the work I do and I was doing a lot of work with Black and Asian minority communities over COVID and then I was leading the um, race network in my department I think I just got exhausted worn out and I was like I just need some like help I don't know what if I do think this is ADHD I need to actively see what support I can get past this so that's what and this she made me reach out to my occupational health in my department and then they worked with this organization called Lexi who kind of helps with workplace accommodation so I spoke to um, I had like an assessment with them and they said that yeah based on speaking to you this seems synonymous with ADHD but we can kind of put work we can kind of help with work stuff, but we can't do anything like this is not an official diagnosis. But when I got that, I took that to my GP to say, well, these people are saying that, like, what further help can I get? So then that's when they were like, okay, if you want to kind of go down these options. And then I seen somewhere else on social media, I think Instagram about this right to choose option. I kind of said to my GP, can we go through that option where I go through the Psychiatry UK? And then it took, yeah, initially my GP wasn't dismissive as much because I I guess maybe only because I kind of had provided this and advocated for myself but it was kind of like are you sure it's not just kind of general stress there was a level of feeling like not really wanting to kind of I guess initiate that and then finally I was able to go through that and then about yeah I think nine months later after being on the waiting list I had my um appointment with Psychiatry UK I still do feel like the process sorry I'm going on quite a run it's <laughs> it's not... it'd be really it's really helpful isn't it really yeah I still feel like it's not the most ADHD friendly process. I think you still kind of have to go through filling all these application forms. You had to, Im- which I still think they do with most cases, you, someone close to you can kind of fill in, I think another form about how like the experiences. So I had to answer questions that were kind of about my childhood and adulthood, various things, I think, to see if they aligned with the, there's like a diagnosis criteria. And I think if you hit certain indicators, it aligns with ADHDs. I think kind of about your disorganization, about your te- like how much you can focus, inattentive, all these kind of things. So I answered questions and then I got my partner to answer um, the same kind of questions that they give. And it was really interesting to hear his responses because you're kind of like, oh, wow. So <laughs> this is how you see that I do things. That, yeah, she'll kind of be doing something and then she'll go off she'll watch something for a bit and be bored just all this stuff you're like oh wow so you can really really see these (laughs) symptoms in me so yeah and then you give that yes you have to give all those forms to I think them and then yeah you have the appointment had to remember when the appointment was I think I got a reminder maybe I did I don't remember and then yeah (laughs) that you have a kind of a conversation with that psychiatrist for a few hours and I guess they're going through the criteria and then at the end yeah he said that yeah this is like 
associated and it seems like you've got the combined because you can have either hyperactive inattentive or a mix of the two and he said that yeah you seem to have combined ADHD and yeah like I felt like validated but I remember just bursting out crying because you just feel like wow there's like mm-hmm. so it's not just all been in my head there is something else that so yeah that was kind of the well thank you that I'm is sorry for the original questions I'm sorry but I went all no, around that... no stuff. no it's super useful someone watching this will know what to what steps to take and the fact that the NHS didn't actually tell you that the, that's the option you had to find it yeah, so now yeah, you've given a little nugget there that someone else may exactly. not know about so my yeah. diagnosis was um actually through university so I was in university I was on my last it was in university where actually my lecturers there was more than one multiple kept saying are you dyslexic just by the questions I was asking yeah. how was asking the questions how I just have to keep asking questions questions yeah. questions before the penny would drop I'd literally would just go and I've got any questions and it would always be me I have questions and everyone would go yeah. <laughs> and I'm like well I've got questions <laughs> I, I want to make sure I do well and I would just be asking multiple questions but he would like they'd be like do you have do you have um dyslexia and I remember um finally going oh what what I'm old now because obviously you have an association of being kid a child yeah. most of it what what am I going to do about it now and they're like you can get an assessment done for free in university and I was actually a, a week before I was due to finish my dissertation wow. that's when I went and did the assessment and I found out a week just literally a week before that I definitely had it we like literally ticked well like I said I weaved in and out with different and that's what I always want to tell people is that you don't necessarily have to tick every single box you could be weaving exactly. in and out with different um well different- there's so much of that it, there's so much of that intersection right. literally with all of them isn't there so a lot of similarities and yeah a lot of the same things because yeah I found out about my dyspraxia in university actually very similarly where one of my tutors had said something and then I think I went back to my mom and she's like I do remember something like this coming up when you were younger about because you struggled to like ride a bike and all these other things but then it kind of just didn't it wasn't pursued any further and I was like oh okay so then that's how I, I had to do a test in university as well so it is interesting yeah, isn't and it? it's free in the university so they'll do it for yeah. you they'll book you in very very quickly with psychologists there and it was so quick like I mean I think I put bought it in and it was like a couple of weeks and I was um seen so if you're in university or studying like I was doing my yeah, master's I think that's master's, a good point then there's, a, there's another there's another route there are all yeah, yeah so, I think that's a very valid point to utilize as much as you can if your workplace is willing to and you feel comfortable if that you yeah. utilize those things if university I think you should be because yeah these things should be accessible for everyone and it shouldn't yeah it should come under private healthcare when you when you work nowadays yeah. now become kind of the things that are happening people should be able to get a diagnosis because the more you know that they have a challenge the more you can support exactly that you can adapt and support them this should really we might have started something here who knows we may have started something abigail they need i think it's axa and um lex all those companies all those big the big names healthcare providers to start saying that actually we will do a diagnosis as part of your work you know workplace assessment if you feel always yeah I always say that to people and even people I work with and manage that I'm like literally sometimes we don't even have the language and even if you don't have an official diagnosis I think it's always important as an employer as a manager to kind of find out what you can need support with how I can support you how find out how people work and then kind of look into that if they need to get that official diagnosis even if there's not that term or terminology or people aren't comfortable with any certain labels you should be providing like 
workplaces where people are able to adapt and be yeah, supported yeah. with how they work. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. We're onto something here. I like it. So if so for me, you have managed to get to where you've helped so many people. That is what you do. Like literally, as you are on this, you're already helping so many people without even it's you just so nat it's just natural to you, isn't it? Now, what if you were to give some tips to how to be successful, especially if you've got neurodiversities, what say like five tips? Let's just na- name a number so you can we can stay on track because I know we've got <laughs> we need to have a number. So let's let's say five tips. What five tips would wow. you personally give? Tips. Tips. Let's go for some five tips that you'd give to continue to elevate your success as a black or ethnic minority woman climbing the, the ladder of success. What would you say? Um, I think I would say important one kind of keep a track of your wins and things like that. I feel like I'm always passionate about that, especially for Black women and women of colour. Because I think, like I was saying before, sometimes it's we have experiences of being undervalued or the work we're doing not being appreciated as much as possible. So really make sure you kind of always evidence and making a note of all everything that you're doing, and you're really kind of thinking about how you communicate. Yeah, the work and the impact that your work's doing. Because I think there is a tendency for us to minimize as well ourselves like how much we're doing so I think that's important I think get that feedback I try and get that regular 360 not just from my managers but from kind of the peers and people I'm working with the stakeholders to kind of get that information and always don't be afraid to kind of constantly assess your strengths and weaknesses as well so constantly review what you're doing how you can get better and to my say seize all those opportunities I think that's something I've done that's helped me um, navigate in the civil service. If there's any kind of schemes happening, leaderships, I'm always willing to like kind of make that business case and put that business case given to my manager of why I think that will benefit me. I think especially if you're in certain organisations as um, women of colour, where those kind of improvements need to be made to make sure more of us are getting up there, your organisation should be wanting to utilise getting you on those things. So don't be afraid. I've been kind of... a, a bold and audacious with those things about if there is a a various leadership scheme or something I think is going to help me that the organization can pay for and you have a certain kind of learning and development like there's often tends to be a lot of pots and organizations that aren't being utilized don't be afraid to kind of make that case for why you think that will benefit not only you but the department or the organization you're working with I think that's a lot of what they kind of want to know so seize all those things and I think it's important for us to get mentors as well um get mentors don't be afraid to reach out to people on LinkedIn and get them to understand what they would what you would benefit from learning from them but what they can benefit as well because mentors mentoring can often you know be a two-way relationship and mentors can learn a lot from their mentees as well so there's some of the immediate things that come to mind and I think they're amazing that was amazing five tips and anyone listening today of like yes I'm going to go ahead and go and do those five things right now you mentioned, can you tell me some of your biggest successes? Because you, I know that you've got some real great success stories. Can you share them with us, especially on the LinkedIn platform and how you did it? Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I'll start off with the LinkedIn Accelerator program because that was really, and yeah, that being honest and transparent with the imposter syndrome, when I, because I saw the LinkedIn Accelerator program very last minute and decided to apply. And um, at that stage, I'd been like kind of building my brand, but more like within the civil service. And I just recently done my TEDx at that point and had started kind of talking more about it on LinkedIn. But I was didn't know if I had kind of 
the big, I guess, brand or experience as, as some of other people that I thought would be applying for it. So I thought, you know what, I've got, kind of got a toy story to tell. I have been doing this work that I'm really passionate about. So let me just apply for this. So when I found out that I was part of the inaugural program, I was like really like excited. And yes, I think that's definitely been a success and it's really pushed me out of my comfort zone to make, to proudly kind of speak about neurodiversity, about being a black woman who's neurodiverse and supporting other black women to feel kind of empowered. Because like I was saying earlier, I think sometimes we can feel, once you've kind of got a lot of these intersectional identities, sometimes it can feel like another barrier, but I really want to encourage women to, you know, be able to kind of work with their brains and realize all the benefits and the amazing, like yourself and so many amazing neurodiverse people who are able to really harness their creativity. So I think that's been something. And I have been really proud of generally a lot of the work I've done in the civil service kind of around race now and, and around intersectionality because it's not been easy. It's been challenging. It's, um, yeah, been there's had to be difficult conversations with a lot of senior leaders, especially around um, 2020. And it's continuing to, have, to happen about what more can be done as like a civil service who are serving the public and community to make sure that we are diverse and, and past diverse and there's that equity and there's that actual feeling of inclusion because the civil service is, I'd say, generally diverse, but is it diverse in all the kind of different levels that it needs to be? I think there's a lot of work to be done there. So yeah, having those conversations, I have been proud of that and also proud that I've been able to, in a lot of my community engagement work, make sure that the views of communities are being reflected back up to government. So yeah, I've been proud of a lot. I think there's some of the immediate things that come to mind. You keep skimming past this TEDx talk. You're like, yeah, TEDx. Oh, then- God. Oh, my God. My TEDx. No, I am very proud of my TEDx. I need to stop skipping the TEDx. Yeah, I, I am. TEDx. I am actually like, very, amazing. Yeah, that was a huge amount of work last year. I mean, so tell I, me, tell um, me what was the process? Someone that wants to be yeah. on TEDx. I want to be on TEDx, actually. Yeah. I want to be on TEDx. I want to go and be on TEDx. You've mo- you've motivated me to be on TEDx today. I've put it yeah. on my vision board for this year, funnily enough. Yeah, and then um, it's gonna happen because it was actually on my vision board. Yeah, it was on my vision board last vision board. Ah, there we yes, go. I put it on my vision board that um something interesting. It would have been the year before, isn't it? Because I found out wow. this time last year that I was gonna be on it. So yeah, I had it on my vision board. Um I'd say that yes, it's always something I'd finally how did it happen? It's something I'd thought about and like thought about what exactly my message would be. And it it was because the last few years I have kind of done a lot of that research about black women and why they seem to kind of be the demographics that often kind of getting later diagnosis or now kind of there's really that change and stuff so I had always kind of just been doing a lot of that work I'm part of quite a few community groups and was speaking to other black women so it's always something I kind of wanted to explore further and put on a bigger platform and TEDx had kind of been in the back of my mind but that imposter syndrome feeling like am I the expert to really be advocating or doing this so I kind of looked thought about it and had seen a few kind of um places that I could like learn more get some um training and stuff about it and then it was I'm trying to remember timelines it must have been the end of 20 we're now in 20 so 2021 I think I'd seen TEDx um the University of Essex were doing TEDx's and their theme was the title was are you paying attention so I thought oh that kind of and it was all I guess ideas of attention grabbing things attention I thought oh wow maybe my kind of message about ADHD and black women is something that I could feed into that so yeah I just decided to kind of apply had an interview with them and then found out at the beginning of last year that they wanted me to do the TEDx and it was in May so yeah I had kind of had those few months to actually prepare and put it together and it was definitely a process but I would say that if you're interested in doing TEDx there's so many different um, TEDx's that happen like around the country so 
TED.com, TED I think, literally does kind of have a list of them. And I'm now subscribed to a few others because initially I was thinking of a few others. TEDx London Women was one I was initially interested in doing as well and stuff. So I'd say, yeah, you can sign up to kind of them and see kind of when they're doing them. I'd always say give yourself a good an amount of time, like to kind of think about like the topic and what you want to do and the message you want to get across and, and what I guess your motivation is, because I guess the idea of TEDs is to kind of, yeah, not just kind of motivational speaking, but kind of having a, a message, getting that across and kind of helping people. So I guess the kind of idea is, yeah, restoring kind of what solutions you kind of have for something. That's kind of how it's framed. So I'd say, yeah, think about that. And yeah, getting on TED.com and kind of looking at that and doing research. TEDx, TEDx Essex was great, but because it was mostly run by students, they couldn't give as much full-on support as needed. So I think there's a lot of ones who've been doing it for many years who are actually university students as well, but I think TEDx Essex one was kind of a bit more relatively new. But I know TEDx London and a few others, I think can really give you that help to like shape your speech a bit more and do a lot more like practicing and rehearsals. So yeah, I think that's, yeah, some of the advice I can give, but I think, yeah, you've definitely got an amazing story to tell Samantha that I'm sure a lot of these TEDx's would want to have you on board and have you as a TEDx speaker for sure. So anyone in the audience who's listening, that wants their own TEDx, wants to get on TEDx and get on that stage and boost their confidence and do it, mm. go for it. We hear it here first, put it on your vision board. I've got my yeah. vision board now. And something interesting happened. I put it on the day before. Then the very next day at TEDx, where I'm based in Manchester, TEDx Manchester, mm. posted a picture advertising TEDx Manchester. Yeah, I've seen they're doing theirs this year, actually. Guess whose picture was on there? Who? It was me. I was like... I'm kidding you not. I was on there. They were advertising for the tickets and it was when I went there the year before and oh, I wow. stopped on the advertisement. I was like, this is a sign that yeah. I'm on this platform. Definitely take yeah. a look. I think, yeah, to next month. And I'm funny enough, I, because I, I think I've got a range of their emails. I did see that they have a amazing, a range of amazing different speakers this year. So maybe, yeah, I think you should definitely look, apply. Yeah. And you've been before. I think that would be a great one. And I'm encouraging yeah. those who are listening you get your own opportunity to get on TEDx as well. And I'll meet you there. Really, really. Exactly. And I have to shout out Elaine Powell, who's an amazing TEDx speaker. She's like a, a public speaker who does a lot of like TEDx courses and stuff. So I did go kind of on um, her course to learn a bit more and to get some of those tips about how to present and things like that. So, yeah. So tell us now what's in store for you. Because there's just so much that you're doing and you skim over it. Like you said, one of the tips that you said... I, these are really big things you've got TEDx you've got Windrush you've got Grenville you've got you know advocate advocating for the intersectionalities of ADHD you're like booming and the big big stuff I just want to remind you of that there are really big stuff that you're getting involved in and you're making change and it's just so natural to you what's in store for you over the next five years tell us something that we that's going to blow our minds what are you what are we going to see where are you going to see you come on we know what's going to so be much fun. and yeah I feel like in that I do often need to I think that's the ADHD brain sometimes I'm always go 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 sometimes I think I have to do a better job and that's why I try and like write down some of the wins and really try and take it in a bit more I've been trying to do that more recently because I'm definitely guilty of just go 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 not really acknowledging all the amazing things and making sure I'm really grateful for everything that's happening but the next five years yeah I'm just really trying to continue to build this kind of brand of being a neurodiversity advocate intersectional identity so I'm trying to do a lot more public speaking podcasts like this to kind of really get the message out then I really want to yeah 
help black women as um help all marginalized communities i think you have neuro who neurodivergent but with that real focus on black women because i think sometimes yeah they are a demographic that can just feel so often unseen and i think where's you know the soup the super there's obviously the benefits of being superwoman but i think that superwoman syndrome of black women can sometimes mean that we're nurturing everyone and not really getting to nurture ourselves so that's something i, I just want to do to make sure the black women feel kind of supported and even though you know it can i always want to be honest and transparent they can be challenging like having adhd and but there is i think when you kind of have that support you really can thrive so i think yeah just wanting there to really kind of break that stigma wanting to make sure we're having these conversations earlier so you know young black girls are coming up and not having to go through a lot of the kind of struggles I kind of had to go through kind of navigating and understanding my brain and who I am so I think that's what I want to do kind of really continue to work to advocate to break down stigmas and to really champion like neurodiversity and black girls and women feeling empowered amazing so where can we find you abigail where where's the best where where can we hunt you down because we need to hunt you down now don't we oh well linkedin <laughs> is probably where i've been doing the, mo the most stuff i need to go back to you know adhd you can be inconsistently consistent that's what i like to call myself but i'm definitely going back i think this month has been a lot of kind of prepping for things but in um february i'm kind of go going back to do my linkedin series so i have an as an adhd linkedin series which i have to get you now on some of us where i kind of speak to a range oh, yeah, of I'd love to. different like experts and allies um, so it's yeah mostly been focused on black women but we have had other allies on to kind of speak about a range of topics I've had spoken about kind of ADHD coaching for black women I've spoken about ADHD and money because that's something that can be challenging that I'm <laughs> budgeting I find challenging spoken to about the diagnosis process on there as well because it's so confusing so yeah like a range of different topics and I definitely want to continue that so definitely yeah have people on and I'm trying to do that more regularly and I have a newsletter as well I have an Instagram page as well as an ADHD that I'm trying to kind of bring up where I'm going to be putting more of my bite-sized content from LinkedIn because obviously LinkedIn can sometimes be a lot of long form so I want to start putting some of that shorter form content on there and yeah that's probably about it I can also provide my link tree that's what it's called isn't it which has all my different information it's got my TEDx talk on there as well so I can provide yeah that's where all my information is You are indeed a superwoman. Thank you so much. We are so grateful to be on it. It's been so, you know what's what's been so good about it? Informative, useful, insightful, inspirational, all of those shows <laughs> that you've done today. I know that it's going to be impactful. So I'm so grateful that you came on and I'm really, really excited to keep following you tracking you down if now I found you now I know where to go and hunt for you and continue to do this great work that you're doing I'm really excited for the next five years ten years a plus for you to continue to celebrate as a superwoman thank you so much oh thanks so much for having me so I really enjoyed it <laughs>